0: Hello, and welcome to episode 189 of Relics of Ore. I'm your host, Grybok, and joining me this evening are my wonderful co-hosts, Spirit and Vrabin. How are you doing this evening, Vrabin?
1: I'm doing pretty well. I'm glad to be here, as always, and we got some exciting stuff to talk about this uh, this show, this episode.
0: We do, indeed, and it's been a busy couple of weeks, which is why we haven't gotten anything out sooner, but I'm actually kind of glad because the news came out towards the end of that couple of weeks. So... Anyway, how are you doing this evening, afternoon, in magical upside down land, spirit?
2: Uh wonderfully, actually. It's been a, it's been a good week for me.
0: Excellent. That is always good to hear. So, to just jump right into things, I didn't think we were going to have much to talk about this episode other than vague pack stuff. But fortunately, before we managed to get around to recording it, uh, they gave the teaser and started having press do release info about. Episode two of season three of Living World. I don't know why that's so hard for me to get all those words straight right now. Um, But yeah, so we get to go back to the Fire Islands. And I think we are all super excited about that. Uh, Who wants to start off?
1: Can I start off with like complete uh, tinfoil hat stuff? Uh, Go for it. I'm hoping since we've heard that there's script there and in one of the trailers, like an awesome piratey script. I'm hoping that somehow, you know, Ritlock has been there and they tricked him into thinking that they gave him um, Rurik's sword, but they're keeping Rurik's sword and we find this out.
0: (laughs) That would be that would be pretty great. Um, I think it would be funny if these Skritt were all Skritt that abandoned Lion's Arch because they, you know, sensed bad stuff was coming and they like boarded one of the pirate ships in Lion's Arch of Ye Old and this is where they ended up.
1: Yeah, less, uh, less, you know, tenfold hattie, I do hope that we get to see Skritt in in a stance that we have heard about them, but never really seen them in, as, you know, a large Skritt civilization that um, can uh, be on par with, you know, the uh, with the Azura. Because, you know, back when we were getting pre-release information about the races, the Skritt were, you know, big rivals of the Azurans, and we've never really seen that. And I think it's because we haven't seen enough of them together, maybe, or maybe they decide to use them as comic relief more than anything serious.
0: Yeah, I think it's sort of a combination of the two. I think the implication in the lore is that at one point, the Asurans tangled with them and realized how much of a threat they were if they got to be large numbers. And so they have, by and large, been very vigilant with their extermination of the Skrit to prevent them from reaching that critical mass. So... That's why we haven't really seen that in game. Is the the idea is this, the Asura never want to let that happen again. But also, then that sort of leads to them being the comic relief because in small numbers they are adorable and stupid, um, <laughs> in the best possible way. Spirit, what are your what are your thoughts? Immediate thoughts on the news about going to the Fire Islands again?
2: Uh, I'm I'm happy to be going there. I don't have a particularly strong uh, affinity for the Fire Islands just because Prophecies was my least played and least favorite campaign of the Guild War.
0: Oh, really? Um
2: yeah. I okay. was Yeah, I first of all, I was a baby. I started way late. Um and so I had all these great <laughs> campaigns with like heroes. I had Nightfall. I had the North is already out when I started playing. I went back and we looked at Prophecies and I was like, eh, it's okay. But it got better. Uh so despite having spent Uh, much time in these lands as a boy um yeah i didn't really i didn't really care for the fire island chain even though there's some some very cool stuff there and i'm like i'm not disappointed at all to be going back i'm you know i'm excited to sort of see what's going on there and there's some very interesting lore implications there
1: i kind of wonder if i would have the same response going to the fire island chain with all of the skills that you get in nightfall and in ilona and being like oh this isn't that big a deal
2: I think going back there with heroes makes a big difference as opposed to going in with, you know, players and henchmen for the first time and only prophecy skills. Um, But yeah, there's a lot of... uh, There's a lot of things around the Fire Island that have long been the source of mysteries, including uh, Ritlock's sword, as you mentioned, which, as far as we know, that was the last resting place of it. So how Ritlock got a hold of it, that's a question that we could be seeing answered here. Um... Other than that, the Titans, which haven't appeared in Guild Wars 2 at all, uh, largely, almost, I believe, entirely exterminated in uh, Guild Wars. But we could always see remnants of them. Uh, plenty of things about the Mersot. The mersot had a heavy presence. Um, oh, gosh, what else? There was... Uh, what else was on the Fire Island chain? besides There was Hydras, and they were awful. They threw they threw fire on your head all the time. Lots of no. fire.
1: There was the Hydras. Was there also... You Remember those worms? I remember the siege worms. I remember mm-hmm. them in the Fisher of Woe, but were they also on the Fire Island chain as well?
0: Yeah, they definitely yes. were.
1: Oh, then there's those things. Those things were crazy.
0: Yeah. Uh, not. To, and did you mention the Door of Kamali?
2: No. Uh, that so there's fall, another bloodstone under, there and, and the Door the of staff. Kamali. Yeah, there's all kinds of crazy stuff in, in the... Fire Island Chain. And I'm not sure if we're going to see... Fire Island Chain is actually pretty interesting uh, when it comes to Guild Wars 2 because it's changed a lot from Guild Wars 2. And we, like, even though we haven't been there, just looking at the maps between the two of them, not only is it a volcanic region, which is going to be constantly changing due to, you know, eruptions and lava flows and things, uh, but it's also been passed over. We know know there's influence from Zaitan, we know there's influence from Mordremoth, uh, we know the Karka have been there. It is... Uh, you know, uh, pun not intended, a hotbed of activity for dragons. Um, there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on there, in addition to the crazy stuff that we already know is going on there. There seems to have been further additional crazy band stuff. Um, I was really surprised. Uh, one of my first reactions was like, oh, cool, we're going back to the fire chain a lot earlier than I expected. Because I think when it, when we talked about, you know, episode one being out, we're like, hey, this is great. Uh, we're not gonna see any more Living Story until, I don't know, October, November, I think, was most people's guess for the next chapter. We, were you guys surprised if, like, A, that the Living Story is coming sooner, I think, than most of us expected, and B, that they're actually talking about it in advance of when it's coming out?
1: Yeah, I think both those things are surprising. I was also expecting, you know, er, October at the earliest, and maybe November, December.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I I mean, Sep or er- sorry september 20th is pretty close to october although i would confess i would have expected an update more around halloween time um mm-hmm. which is almost a whole extra month past so it's definitely coming out sooner than i was expecting and i i don't know as far as them talking about it more i mean they basically are talking about it two weeks out which is or isn't it only let's see that's true a week and change out yeah. i mean yeah it's not i guess they weren't talking about it that far out
2: <laughs> yeah i was a little surprised that they because this uh, you know we talked about sace bernhardt there's this npc who's traveling through the zones following this wake uh, she calls it a magical energy of something big 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 traveling deep underground which of course we can all guess from the beginning was Primordius, but she, you know, there's this storyline unfolding with this NPC and they announced the news that we're going to the Fire Island chain right in the middle of that. And so it didn't like build into this, you know, she gets down to Melkor's leap and she's like, it's going to the Fire Island chain. And we didn't have this moment of like, oh, it's the Fire Island chain. Like they just, they just announced it, uh, which I don't know, that was a little bit disappointing to me that we didn't have this like revelation in game through the NPC. We already we knew well, you know, maybe a week and a half before she got to her final destination what we were what, where she was going to end up, where we were going, which I, know, felt I felt was the, a little bit disappointing.
1: I felt the same way with um the not the Mersat. Everyone thought they were the Mersat in the previews and stuff. The Exalted. Mm-hmm. We got so much info on them before, you know, what, like, classes they were and what, and it's, like, it would have been more satisfying, I think, to get that in-game, but they just kind of plopped it out, and it's like, oh, okay.
2: I think, so, I'd, so, kind of with the Exalted, though, I think they had to be very clear, and especially because now that they're bringing the Mersat back, they had to they had to be like, no, these are not the Mersat. like, stop making these things <laughs> about how these guys are the Mursat, because they're not
0: yeah i mean that's sort of i mean that sort of begs the question though of like why did you design them to look so much like jade armor Mm -hmm. but you know that's who knows um yeah but i i'm glad that they did do sort of a press junket and the i have to admit the trailer was really good
2: Mm.
0: uh i mean in, in some ways it was kind of generic in the sense of like you know bad guy buzzword is going to lore place to do bad things <laughs> we must gather our forces to stop them from doing bad event. like look they are getting stronger you know i mean it was kind of generic yeah, but it was still yeah, yeah. well it was still well made right it had it had good pacing it had it looked pretty cool you know it had good music following it up so I mean, yeah I, I can't give them too much too yeah, much crap about the, it uh,
2: they mashed up the zero theme and the marionette theme and that worked out really well. I was very pleased. Um, did you see the behind the scenes videos that came out today?
0: I haven't seen I those. I haven't. It.
2: Okay. Um, it's not, there's not anything revolutionary in it. Uh, but my favorite part is, of it was Josh Foreman being very excited about these metal skulls. And saying like, uh, we wanted it to be like the Fire Island chain, but more metal. <laughs> he was <laughs> like, that was my favorite thing because I just wanted to crank it up to 10. And he also talks about uh, one of the, the features that they're touting with this map is a uh, Josh Foreman TM jumping puzzle, uh, which to longtime players is pretty synonymous with uh, hair ripping out curse words, uh, jumping puzzles. Yeah. And I'm really excited to see what he came up with. he said, uh, like he was talking about, there's, you know, there's various things we can do with the jumping puzzle to crank up the difficulty, which is like, you know, increase the distance players have to jump, increase the, you know, the, the finesse or whatever, you know, corner jumps, things like that. He was like, yeah, we, we kind of looked at that. <laughs> we turned it all up to like 11. I'm like, oh yes. And he, oh, uh, they said it's called the chalice of tears is the uh, jumping puzzle.
0: Oh man. Uh, it's, there's yeah. there's gonna be tears. I, I we were talking about it on Reddit also, and I remember saying that somebody wasn't somebody did not know of the connection between Josh Foreman and which jumping puzzles were his. And I said basically all of the hard ones, and that most jumping puzzle people have a love hate relationship with him, in that he makes them love to hate themselves. Mm-hmm. And I would say that that is absolutely correct. I I am going to punish myself on this jumping <laughs> puzzle until I finish it. Just like I've done on all the past ones, and oh, it, yeah. it hurts so good.
2: The uh, the first Halloween, I sat on Mumble with Hunter, and we didn't even talk to each other, but for two hours, we failed this jumping puzzle over and over again, and the only thing that was said to each other on Mumble was various profanities when one of us fell off.
0: Mm-hmm. I, yeah. had,
1: similar, I had similar frustrations when I was doing it, but then I realized, wait, I'm using a wireless keyboard. Then I plugged in a wired keyboard, and I finally, after like two or three more times, finally got it. And I think that's the last time I completed it. I've never gone back.
0: It's actually surprisingly very easy to complete yeah. once you have done it. Yeah. Like, once you know where to go and the right path to take, it's actually pretty forgiving on time. It was just the combination of it being so new and the fact that it drew all of the other players in, and so... and.
1: That's true and nowadays it's instanced for yourself. Before it was everybody and it, people had splash effects and, you know, colors and magic and fire. It was annoying. Yeah, oh yeah. Giant I remember
0: Norn, um, one of my friends was trolling people. Um and so he made a giant Norn and I believe he summoned isn't isn't there like an Oakart summon for yeah. a racial skill? Or maybe mm. so maybe it was an Asura or a, yeah, Silvari, right? Yeah. Um so he like summoned that and uh, I think he had I think he was an elementalist, so he also like summoned Elementals and he's just like running around with the petting zoo in the jumping puzzle just to make people angry. and I <laughs> that was the start of everybody hating large characters because that jumping puzzle was so busy. and since you all had to start at the same time on the same timer, like there was no way to avoid the crowd unless you got ahead of it and that was pretty hard to do. Oh,
1: man. Yeah, that was, that's all, all. everything you said there was correct. I remember seeing that guy with the oaken heart. I don't know if it was your friend or not, but it was annoying.
0: Yeah, I, I saw a lot of people start doing it once they caught on to how trolly it was. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm excited about getting a new Josh Foreman jumping puzzle. Yeah. Um. Let's see here.
2: I hope there's a title for it. I want a title.
0: Yeah, yeah. I would love, I would actually love some, some like mild prestige gear for some jumping puzzles. Like, it doesn't have to be anything Mm. crazy, but things like backpacks or nowadays like glider skins or things like that could be really cool for, uh, for jumping puzzles.
2: I wonder if they'll have, well, I presume, you know, depending on the puzzle, that gliding will be disabled in it. I wonder if they would ever disable portals because that, would put an end to whatever mild prestige gear
1: yeah
0: that's true that is true yeah i guess that's true
2: but i'm down for that just saying
0: yeah that'd be pretty cool um let's see i'm, <laughs> I'm reading through eric's notes
2: here oh i have a thing sorry yeah go um ahead. yeah so one of the other things that's coming with it is a new mastery um think new hawk wallows but instead of when you touch it, you just teleport to another part on the map. Uh, You get sucked into a lava thing that lights you on fire and launches you quite quite literally across the map. Um, And if you haven't seen the video today and you're just sort of curious about it, um, I would go look it up. And this looks, I mean, they did some big panoramic shots. This looks like a huge map. Uh, This is no Bloodstone Fen. I would say Just from the screenshots they showed us, this is probably twice as big as Bloodstone Fend, at least. Um, And it launches you a long, long, long way out of these things, just in a huge arc across the zone. Um, So, my point of sharing that was going to be that one of my guildmates pointed out that if you wanted to set up and prepare for this patch... If you wanted to get that mastery right away for whatever reason, you could go into Bloodstone Fen and do the dailies and save the chests there, which contain uh, Heart of Maguma XP. So if you wanted to, for some reason you wanted to be on the very (laughs) front end of having that mastery, you could probably save those up over the next few days. I mean, it's it's really as simple as loading into Bloodstone Fen, uh, gliding, you know, off the ship collecting a few unbound magic and then use four of your aerial skills and you've got two bloodstone Fen dailies right off the bat it takes less than a minute that is, that is brilliantly
0: genius i should totally do that yeah i hadn't even thought about storing up those chests
2: me either i don't yeah, i don't think about it because i've I, i'm maxed out on my masteries i've got extra mastery points when a new one comes out i just play whatever the new thing is and uh you know get it within a in an hour or so but some people like to be super prepared, so that's something you can do if you want to be right on the front of that.
0: It's, I mean, for me, it's just more one of those things that I've been getting a lot of those chests, and opening them now versus a week from now really doesn't have any benefit. Mm. But, or rather, opening them now doesn't really have much of a benefit per se, but opening them a week from now does, so I might as well, right?
2: Sure. And also hang yeah. on to your Unbound Magic, because it's a season currency, and it will almost certainly be used on Fire Island, whatever it's called. Ember Bay? Is that the name of the map?
1: Ember Bay. Cool.
2: I think I keep getting it, like mentally, I keep getting it confused with Embark Beach from ye olden days. Oh, yeah.
0: Isn't there also a Worldview World server, Emory Bay? Yes. Yes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Stop making eBays. Stop.
0: <laughs> this is hot syndrome all over
1: again. <laughs> yeah, there's a guild in Worldview World named eBay, too. And they're on Emory Bay. Yep. That's awesome.
2: Oh, yeah. I didn't tell you because I haven't seen you in a long time, Robin. I jumped ship from NSP. Oh no! Yeah, I Sea of Sorrows. I liked them too much. I told you guys they were my number one server ship. Like I loved Sea of Sorrows because I played in my time zone, and I liked uh, NSP because they were, you know, my friends from all the way back. And then uh, ArenaNet went and did server linking again and broke up my OTP of Worldly World servers, and now i had to switch servers
0: i'm disappointed in you yaks bend is pointing all of their siege <laughs> weaponry in I, your direction
2: listen yeah also we're fighting yaks bend unfortunately because <laughs> i left <laughs> listen i left the matchup uh during yeah nsp was fighting yaks bend which yaks bend should not have been in that tier probably should not be in the current matchup uh considering that they are, have more than double our score But I left NSP and I was like, "Ah, I'm getting out of here. I'm going to Sea of Sorrows uh, where I don't have to be with Yaxbend. And then they came the next week to shoot me in the butt with a million arrow cards and ballistas.
0: It's all your fault. They just followed you.
2: (laughs) Did you see the video on Reddit where a dev from Sea of Sorrows uh, was dueling a dev from Yaxbend?
0: No. No.
2: Uh, It was like the top video on Reddit yesterday, I think. The top thread anyway. Um, and it was a dev from Sea of Sorrows 1v1ing a, you know, a dev from Yax Bend, And on each side behind them, they had the entire Zerg lined up from both teams just watching uh, while these guys 1v1ed. And then um, finally the Sea of Sorrows dev won the the duel. And as soon as the Yaxbend guy went down, the lines... Uh, deformed and started running at each other to go into an all-out brawl, which was just very cool to watch. I'm sad I wasn't there.
0: That's, that's great. I was gonna say I hope that, uh, I hope that the Spend just ended it with a, a rain of catapults. <laughs> 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 I, I don't know, the... the
2: video cuts off right as they start fighting, uh, and the comments seem to imply that the Spend team wiped the Sea of Sorrows team. But doesn't matter, because well... our dev won.
0: I mean, of course we wiped them. Like I don't
2: want to talk about it. <laughs> Yakspend is so mean.
1: I just think it's funny now that every person that's currently on the show right now is on a different server.
2: Yeah. Oh, well,
0: yeah. I dude. my our, our router at home is named Yakspend. I'm a Yakspend oh, no. diehard.
2: <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I hated them okay, listen, I hated them from the beginning because back in ye olden days, and most probably most of you will not remember what I'm talking about, because this was very early on in Guild Wars, uh, there was a mechanic in World v. World where you had to carry the orb from the North Camp to I don't even remember where you had to carry it, but you had to like transport it across the map and there's a big like icon on the map and everything. And Yaksbend <laughs> had like a squad of fly hackers. And they would pick up the orb and like fly it all over the map. Oh, it was to, I think it was to the different keeps. And you could turn it in each keep for like a, a boon that I don't remember what it was. it was. I think it was it was the precursor to Bloodlust, if I remember correctly.
0: Yes. You but even do I remember don't it remember correctly.
2: So, yeah, Yaxbend would always pick up the orb and fly hack it across the map. And I got so mad, <laughs> so mad about the, the Yaxbend. And I like harbored that hatred. But then NSP didn't really fight Ben anymore because Yaxbend went way up in the tiers and like. Now that I'm on Sea of Sorrows and Spend is back, <laughs> the hatred has just been renewed.
0: Look, I can neither confirm nor deny any alleged behavior on the part of my compatriots. Mm-hmm. But I will say Yaxbend was totally not the only server that was hacking.
2: Oh, no, definitely not. Like, there's... like. Yeah, there's there's no it was not unique to, to Yak spend or you know I'm not saying that there weren't people on NSP that did that too because there probably were like back in the day there used to be oh there' so still, many hackers and things
1: no there's still but, hackers I mean I haven't played much since the uh since they've changed the scoring system a little bit uh, I've mm-hmm. been out for probably a month and a half or more but anyway um last time I was playing it was uh who did who was I always complaining about it was uh HoD
2: yeah right? well, uh, you're always complaining about hinge of Denravi, but yeah
1: that's the HOD it's was not- on. They had hackers though. I mean, last yeah, time I they played, do. they had hackers. Um, you know, map hackers that would pop. You know, five thousand as if they're mesmer porting across the map, and they were scouting everything. It wasn't even fair. Mm-hmm. So I always There's- hate HOD the way you hate yeah. Spend.
2: There's a lot. Of, well, I wanna, I don't want to say a lot of that, but I think every matchup has like one or two hackers in it where people are like, ArenaNet, please deal with this, and then it seems to never get dealt with.
0: Yeah, I remember at some point we were dealing with people that were spy trolling our server where they would like go in and use up all of the supply to make uh even more ballistas than we needed and have them pointing the wrong direction and things like that which was uh <clears throat> super annoying but anyway we've we've gone far afield
2: yes we have oh but hey we can bring it back because world v. world got a new scoring update
0: that's correct we're doing what mini skirmishes now so it basically It does it in chunks of two hours. Is that right?
2: Yeah. So whoever gets the most war score, like it used to be just that you would accumulate war score over a whole week. And, you know, based on whoever had the highest at the end of the week, you would win or lose or whatever, you know, however it was ranked up. Uh, Right now it's been changed so that in a two hour time slot, if you are the person with the highest score at the end of the two hour time slot, uh, you get three points, second place gets two points, last place gets one point and so this progresses you know throughout the matchup and whoever has the most victory points at the end of the match not whoever has the most war score wins and i genuinely like even though i've been in world v world a little bit lately it hasn't felt to me like it's changed anything i know this is uh this is just a beta really they're just sort of testing it out and they've said you know if if this goes to plan or whatever you know we can look into doing rewards at the end of it we can look into scaling um points based on you know time zones so if, like if nobody's playing at night and someone's just night capping that's not going to matter as much like this is the foundation for some big world world changes but this one currently uh you know in, in its current implementation doesn't feel like it's really doing anything for me and mostly it's because i don't pay attention to the world v world score over a whole week um i do enjoy going into world v world and killing people having good fights you know but yeah i just like i just lose it
1: i wish i could say more because i've been the one on the show that does world v world more than you guys i think but i've just been so busy lately i've barely played guild wars at all so yeah fair enough maybe maybe later on i'll get back into it and give you guys a well yeah i don't
2: know it's So like I want skirmishes, like I hope skirmishes get rewards because I think that would change it for me. Mm -hmm. My biggest problem with World V World, uh, all along has been I just don't care whether we (laughs) win or lose over the course of a week. Like I can go into World V World and have fun and I don't get that like I don't get satisfaction out of winning and I'm not disappointed when we lose. But if I had this sort of and tournaments really worked for me where I did care, you know, how well my server did. And I was going in there and I was making an effort to learn world world tactics and get my ranks up and, you know, participate not only to get my own achievements, but to help the server because there was a defined time in which, you know, it mattered how well my server did, as opposed to, you know, just this happens all the time and you know, whatever. Like it's just ongoing and I don't care, you know, how we're doing at any given point. Um, and so i'm hoping skirmishes can can bring that back that feeling to me where i do like I do care if we're winning in points or whatever like i I have some sort of sense of competition in world v world rather than you know hey look there's there's that other guy running over there let's fight cool
1: well, the only thing that we the only thing that we get is what uh scavenger wisdom h p bonuses and stuff for having a higher world v world score, so the world v. world players. Don't get a real bonus from doing better in World v World, other than to say that I won. There's nothing really driving. Yeah. And so I think that's where this is where I think. And I don't know if we've mentioned on the show, I know I've talked to some of you guys at length about before how Ascended stuff, you know, it's the optimal in World v World. There's a clear advantage if you have full Ascended, you know, two equal players, one wearing Ascended, one wearing Exotic. Obviously, Ascended's going to win. So it's the best gear you can get. So I think that it should be limited to World v. World. If holding Stonemis Castle gave you, you know, a trickle on Ascended mats, and that was the only way to get them in the game, then different servers would have, you know, the Monopoly on it, and that would change the... And it has to be... Of course, it has to be thought out more than what I'm just saying, but I think if World, if, uh, world v. World is the exclusive way to get Ascended materials to make Ascended weapons and armor, that would be interesting. That would give World v. World, give us uh, us a reason to want to win and have it so we could have Ascended stuff for the raids, you know?
0: Uh I would hate that more yeah. than words can describe. <laughs> I mean,
2: I, dis- I understand what you're saying, but I totally disagree.
0: I'm, like, well, I just hate ascended gear in general, and I hate that it exists, and I would, if if we were talking about balance in World v. World, I would rather they go the route of just changing their mind altogether and having your gear be, um like, the PvP stat way, or at the very least be normalized to either ascended stats or exotic stats and just, like, take out that advantage. But having, having statistically superior gear that only can be acquired from a server-based PvP format um, sounds like the actual worst thing. Like, I mean you're you're not wrong it would make it it would make it more impactful like if there was
1: enough that it could be sold you know if it was really meaningfully enough that it could be sold and that you couldn't control it completely you were actually just controlling you know the market price of it if you were the server that owned that all the time but what i'm suggesting would change other there's other things i'd like to see change in world view world that would just overhaul completely i don't i could go on longer than the show but so if sometime someone wants to hear about it in Guild Wars, PM me and we can talk about it. So probably a good place to leave this conversation.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, I, be I would in the not.
1: World v. World
2: land.
0: I was just thinking in terms of World worldview world, a big part of the challenge too, is that a week is a long time. Yeah. Like you feel so disconnected from the events that happened four or five days from now, or four or five days ago in, in a game. Like, especially when the stakes aren't that high uh, i think they may have been better or might be better in the future with going to a shorter than a week for deciding matches and just not have it reset on the same day every week like you could have three-day matches or you could have two-day matches like you could i don't know you could just things things to change it up like to i don't know yeah but having some sort of unique reward also is a big like drive for people because like you said, they're. There really aren't any stakes, right? Like, if you lose, no, no, you don't really. really lose out on anything. And if you win, you don't really win anything. So, yeah.
1: The biggest anyway. thing, just to oh, add ahead. to that, I guess, the biggest thing that I think they've set out to change that um, us on NSP were really suffering over was the fact that, you know, we could do well during the day, but then we're small server, and at nighttime, um, HOD, for example, I'm going to use them because these are my forever hatred have enough players that they just wipe everything out at night and we'd be back at square one in the morning, where we could actually compete with them when we had our players, but they had multiple shifts. And I think that's something that we're trying to uh, address with this new point system and reduce the nightcapping, you know, woes that smaller servers have had. And I also know that, you know, the merge servers are supposed to help with that, but I don't know the result of that because I've been out of World of so I guess I hope it's doing that, but I don't know.
2: It has it has when it's been good i don't know how i believe nsp has matched up with soros furnace right now
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, and i don't know how that matchup is going but when uh, sos like i said my my server otp nsp and sos were together uh, it worked out really well because uh sea of sorrows is the unofficial oceanic server so there was all you know fabian and the normal nsp commanders up during the day and then when night came. Uh, the SOS commanders would take oh, over. Oh, that's awesome! And it was, yeah, it worked out really well. It was a good matchup, and I miss it so much. Come back at us, <laughs> Uh anyway,
0: Anyway, um, back to things that are coming in this update. We yeah. are also seeing the return of hearts.
2: Yeah, which I want to talk about that. Interesting choice.
0: Yeah, go and, ahead.
2: Just well, I didn't like me personally. I don't actually. I'm really indifferent on this. Okay, a lot of people had really strong opinions, and I'm like, yeah, okay, so. Hearts are a guideline of things to do in a zone. It says, you know, this point is where there are things going on. Um, you know, there might be events going on around this hub. They're, they're a lot like outposts in Heart of Thorns, really, except uh, sort of more interactive, because if you talk to the NPCs and, and do things in these camps, uh, it progresses as heart. And the only... It's nice... Let me back up. So these hearts... Um, a, are the first time... We assume this is going to be a level 80 zone. Uh, first time we're ever seeing hearts in a level 80 zone. And second of all, they're repeatable. Um, which has not ever happened in the game before. So there's sort of two new things there. Um, oh wait, no. Not first time for hearts in a level 80 zone. Because Frost Gorge has it. But an exclusively a level 80 zone. I believe it is the first.
1: Uh, yeah, I think you're right. There. Yeah,
2: anyway. Um, it depends... How much I care about this really depends on whether there is an incentive to do hearts multiple times or not. Uh, because if it's just like, you know, I go through, you know, a zone for the second time with my friends, you know, she gets back into the game and we're, we're playing again. And I I just want to play a character that I've already played on Love Island. Or uh, not Love Island. <laughs> Whoops. Family podcast. I, there's so many fire things. Uh, em- Ember Bay. Yes. I made it back around to the right one. Um... Yeah, if it's just like the second time I've been there, and I can just passively get credit, like I just I just don't care about heart rewards enough to care that they're repeatable. Essentially, like I don't I don't give a hoot about map completing again because even if um, hearts are repeatable, points of interest and stuff are not. So I imagine that you can't complete a map again. It's not like you can just map complete in the sense of getting that exotic and those crafting materials and the transmutation stone or a black lion key multiple times on one character i feel like that's not going to happen and i don't have any basis for that it's just i assume that's how the system works um and if the heart rewards are as bland which is a disappointing word to use for it but you know bland is Corteria, then i don't give a hoot about redoing the hearts but I do what I would find annoying and I hope this isn't the case is if um, I complete all the hearts on one character and say uh, there's crafting materials like a new type of food lava biscuits or something uh, <laughs> that this heart heart vendor sells and I need them for a crafting recipe and the next t- you know I complete this heart go off and a month later I need lava biscuits because they're the new hot consumable for raids. And I go back to the zone, and I have to do the heart again to pick up the lava biscuits. And then, like, every time I want to craft them after that, I have to go do that heart again. I would find that so annoying. So I hope uh, they're sort of repeatable for the sake of having content to do, rather than an annoyance. A grind for sense? items,
1: or whatever. Yeah,
2: uh,
0: yeah. That that's pretty much how I feel about it. I think... I think you're likening them to outposts was a good one, and what I'm sort of hoping that they will be. Um, mostly just because part of the problem with outposts is if you aren't familiar with the maps, it's hard to find them sometimes, or to like really recognize them just looking at the map, whereas a heart is a little bit more visible from anywhere on the map. So if that's sort of their implementation ideal of having a type of repeatable content that's on your own schedule rather than... And being on some random timer like that's pretty cool if it turns into yet another daily reset like resource gate uh that'll be less than cool
1: yeah i agree <laughs> with that
2: yeah i don't i've got so many i'm so tired of daily things in guild wars 2 i really really irritating we've got a few of tired. those don't we uh yeah i mean all the so all these send mats. it's like you know four or five things there um charged quartz is my absolute bane because i'm trying to save it up for zap but i also need it to craft my raid consumables because there's exactly one nourishment that works for healers or has healing power on it i should say that you you know you can use all the different types of nourishment but the one that synergizes best with my build uh and there is no other option of crafting it but to consume these charged quartz crystals and i can only make one a day so i have to choose whether I want to have raid food or whether I want to save up for zap. And I'm like sort of gradually making progress, but you know, God forbid I wanted something at like celestial gear, which uses these, um, you know, I have to make those I'm really, really irritated about charge cords. I have to make all these decision- irritating decisions about it. And then there's like normal dailies, there's fractal dailies, bloodstone fan dailies. I'm, over treasure dailies. I'm so over dailies. <laughs> I'm also just a player, like, I really like to focus one thing hard for a specific period of time. I'm not the type of person who does a little bit of everything, and the fact that I'm forced to by these systems drives me nuts. Like, I'm I'm just the type of person who's like, I'm going to grind dungeons today, and I do 19 dungeons in a row, and then I won't touch them for a month. Uh, yep. That's just what I like to do, and I don't like the game telling me how to spend my time. Even, like, I understand the reasons for dailies to, like, you know, create scarcity and to pace people so they don't burn themselves out but man it's just not how i like to play my game so it burns
0: you out in a different way yeah
2: absolutely it feels like it it feels much more like a chore if you have to wait to do things in my opinion anyway yeah that's exactly
0: what it feels like if it makes it feel like a chore i've i've gotten so used to dailies being in every game all the time that it started to become a turnoff in every game like not just guild wars Every game out there, and it's part of what killed. It's part of like what killed Destiny for me is like daily bounties being such a source of experience and feeling like I had to do them every day because like I just didn't. It was such an opportunity cost to not do them, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's like. But then as soon as you were done with them, it's like, well, I could keep playing the game, but like if I spent the same amount of time doing it tomorrow, I'd get way better rewards because that'll be after a daily reset again and yep. yeah it just yeah. uh yeah
2: there are definitely like i understand the reasons for them. like i said the scarcity and then also like uh obviously they're very good at getting players to pick up the game another day which is like it's a huge thing to get people to log in because if people log in then they'll spend 15 minutes in the game and like there's this whole thing about you know retaining players i get that but oh man is a As a player and now having this in every game ever, every game that's out right now, it's exhausting and I hate having them vie for my time. And oftentimes, like you said, oftentimes I'll drop games because, especially if they have dailies that feel compulsory because I don't have time for your nonsense. I just wanted to play this game to have fun. I didn't want it to be a chore. So
1: Here I thought I was burned out on dailies and... Guild Wars is the only game that I play that has dailies. <laughs> I don't play other MMOs.
0: Well, like yeah. and it's I I mean, that's the thing is the the maybe not worst, but the thing is maybe you do have time for nonsense, but sometimes your time is distributed all on one or two days a week and that's yeah. fundamentally incompatible with a daily style of progression and it's kind of funny because now that we're talking about this, it reminds me exactly of what I said, you know, 4 or 5 years ago now when we were talking about why it was interesting and very different and smart of guild wars 2 to be a buy to play model because Mm -hmm. i said the same thing about subscription mmos that we're now saying the same thing about dailies now is that it works as a good hook a slightly different reason but like in a subscription you pay for it and then it sort of convinces you to keep logging in because it's like well i've already paid for it like i might as well use it i don't want to waste my money Mm -hmm. and so that's sort of their mechanism for keeping you logging in but the problem with that is once you finally get to that point where you've had to make a conscious decision to say it's not worth my money to keep subscribing, you very rarely come back because you've already decided that it's not worth spending money on. And like very few things will convince you to go back to deciding it's worth spending money on once you've stopped doing it. Um, and that's kind of the same with a lot of games that have a lot of daily stuff is you do it and it's a strong hook for a while. Uh, but eventually you get to that point where you start saying I don't care enough about this daily to actually do it every day and then pretty sure soon it becomes well now i'm only playing twice a week and now that i'm playing less i kind of care less and then it's like once you sort of break that hook it becomes almost an inverse incentive when you think about getting back into the game and you're mm-hmm. like well i don't have the time to commit to doing dailies anymore um at least that's what i found with a lot of games or if yeah. you start
1: playing and you don't do the dailies You're like, oh, I'm having fun. You're like, oh, but I can't do this because I'm not logging in every day. I can't craft that celestial armor or I can't get this thing I want because I'm not completing that daily thing. This game isn't fun because I can't just play it when I want to play I have to be married to it.
2: Truthfully, most of Guild Wars 2's dailies are fantastically optional. And it's just, you sort of, if you don't do the daily, you feel like, (laughs) oh, I missed out, but you don't feel uh, largely unable to progress um yeah there are certain instances like especially charged cords like ascended armor and charged cords charge though cords, are like that but,
0: but at least yeah. with ascended you can buy the materials That's from other true. people mm-hmm. i like agree that, because which is what helps make that a little bit less painful like i recently crafted a couple ascended daggers and i looked at my materials and i just looked at it and said i could log in every single day and make sure to press this button for the next 20 days but I don't wanna, so I'm just gonna throw some gold away. Like, And that, at least that option was there. But with things mm-hmm. like charge courts, that option is not there. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the frustrating kind of daily.
1: And that connects to my annoyance with certain things in the game being soul-bound, account-bound and, cause I went crazy when the Zephyrites were around and I still have um, crystal left over from that, not, and I've been charging them almost every day, except for when I take maybe a break now and then. So I have so much, but I can't even give them to Spirit because I, it's count bound. Yeah. Yeah.
2: What you can do, pro tip, if you do have a bajillion of these, uh, is you can craft. Um, you can craft charged Ambrite and thorns and fossils. Ambrite is the one that I know because it's used in my healing consumable. And that is actually tradable. So you can the consumable craft is tradable? Of, uh, the consumable is not. The charged Ambrite is and it goes for oh, okay. between a gold and two gold. So oh, wow. if you want to make money off those, that's, that's the way to go about it. And if you do really want to give me those, I'll be happy to hook you up with some Ambrite okay. to help me with my healing consumables. So yeah, there are there are elements of that which you can sell. It's actually it's it's almost exactly like uh, ascended mats, where the precursor to the ascended mat is a count bound. But if you make the material, then it is not a count bound, and you can sell it for a decent amount of money.
1: Cool. Well, I did not know that.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. All right. Well. That pretty much covers hearts. Did we... Was there anything else you guys, like, really wanted to talk about news-wise? Um, do we want to do more speculation about where we're going? About potentially future Living World stuff? Or are you guys feeling pretty okay with just, you know, mostly leaving it at that for now?
2: I'm good. I think we can wait and see how it plays out. Yeah, I'm I excited think it's... though. Like, I just want to recap that. I know we said that right at the beginning, but I, I like everything I'm hearing right now, so...
1: I'm glad to be going to a zone that hasn't been blown up that was, you know, a previous zone from <laughs> Guild Wars original.
0: Yeah, I me too. And I think a big thing, even the aside from the not having blown up, this will be our first No, that's not quite true. Some of the Char homeland, but a lava lava E Island type thing is not um something that there's a lot of in this game right now. So if nothing else, that's kind of an exciting design space
1: and to, choice to mm-hmm. add to that from what we've seen in the, the preview of the trailer it looks like they're using different textures so it's a lava area that isn't just copy pasted from Mount Maerstrom and the char areas that's what it yeah. looks like
0: yeah so I'm, I'm pretty stoked about that um, and again I think I think we're all really excited that it's actually coming this soon and it appears to be a substantial map addition uh, when we look back at last I mean I guess last year's living story uh came out more frequently. so I was about to say the map expansions last uh, last year were much smaller, but that's because we got you know one a month and then after that we got a whole new map so that's kind of kind of evens out but the the point is it's it looks like it's going to be a big new map and that alone is always really exciting for me. I always love having new maps to explore and tool around in so
1: do you think it'll be one big map for the island chain or do you think we're going to get two or three maps?
0: well one big map for this update i don't know if we're going to be going i assume anyway Um, i would
2: be surprised if we hit the whole ring of fire in one in one go i think i don't think we'll hit it in
1: one go but do you think in further living story updates do we'll get more than one map in the future some undecided time for the fire island chain
2: yes i i expect ultimately you know over the course of years maybe to get like two or three maps out of the ring of fire much like or
0: I think to, my answer is going to mostly just be too hard to call without knowing where they're going in the story. Like, I could see them touching down here and then moving on somewhere else, or I could see them coming back here. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, we got South Sun, and it was kind of cool to have a, like, tropical island, but we've never, you know, I mean, we went returned to South Sun, but it was the same map. Like, we haven't gotten more tropical island maps, so uh, I guess I would say kind of who knows. They definitely could um but there's so much of tyria to explore and since we have no idea what <laughs> since we have no idea what the direction of the story is going to be other than Darby dragons um you know i don't know <laughs> uh, i could i could see you both ways um do we want to do cast cast or do we want to talk about pack stuff pack or is there anything stuff. else we want to talk about okay um well There actually wasn't a lot of Guild Wars stuff to talk about at PAX, so this is mostly just going to be talking about a few things. I, in the show notes, labeled it as PAX Trader Arcade, because that's most of what PAX was. There was the Guild Wars 2 party on Friday, which is at the same venue they've had it the last couple of years, and um, we were extended an invitation to go, which was very uh, nice of them, so I definitely took advantage of that, and... We had a nice time. Um, They don't really announce things at those parties, you know, so it's mostly just schmoozing with various developers and people that are working there and meeting other community members or catching up with community members that were there um, previously. So, you know, um, it was fun. There was good food. There was those amazing cosplays. Did you guys see those that they Mm. tweeted out? No, I didn't. Yeah. Yeah, there was an amazing uh, Balthazar cosplay, like full-on huge armor with a balthazar pistol and uh it looked really awesome and then it was really funny too there was uh somebody was cosplaying as a sentinel armor and uh but they were like blue and gold in their coloring and they kept arena net members kept calling her duena um which is kind of embarrassing and funny at the same time because that is absolutely not <laughs> they were dressed up as but mm-hmm given that they were with the balthazar cosplayer i and the color scheme i at least uh sympathize with why that would be the the tip of their tongue although that's uh it's, yeah um it was it was pretty funny
1: sentinel though. from what though I'm, I'm confused
0: there's sentinel armor i believe is the isn't that the name it's a
1: gem gemstone oh okay armor. okay for okay so it's still a guild wars thing i thought maybe like sentinels from x-men or something Oh no no no. Okay. No.
0: It was it was a Guild Wars armor, so it definitely had like the styling and such. Um, but it was not the Duena it was not the Duena armor or uh Avatar outfit or whatever.
1: Do Duena and Belthar even get along? I don't think they like each other.
0: I don't know that any of the gods particularly don't get along. Any of the like uh prophecies core gods, I guess I should put an asterisk in <laughs> like you know, um I I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah. I
1: don't know. Anyway, what else was at PAX? You said you you, Um, you didn't go to PAX, did you, Spirit? Because I know I didn't. No.
2: (laughs) Nope.
0: Uh, Yeah. Hopefully, Spirit will come next year though, and she can get in on one of these shindigs. Yeah. There there are
2: threats being made about. By threats, I mean like that loosely about showing up for the fifth anniversary at uh, PAX. Because I think that would be cool. Not only to get to to Seattle, like to get to Seattle finally, but also I feel like you know. If any, that there's any time to do Guild Wars to celebrations, it would be the 5th anniversary.
0: Sure, yeah. I'll give you a thumbs up for any reason to get you over here to visit. Hmm. Um, yeah, so I would say uh, I spent most of my floor time at PAX on, in the indie area, which is not usual for me because I typically... There's, there's sort of too many indie games for me to pay attention to any of them most of the time, but... I was not super thrilled by a lot of the stuff on the main show floor, and Opt was with me and he was really into the indie stuff, so I definitely saw a couple games there that I'm actually keeping keeping tabs on going forward. Um, there was one called Monsters and Monocles, which is a twin stick shooter, um, which is one of those like top-down where you move with one stick and then you use your other stick to aim and shoot. Um, and it's sort of standout thing is that it has online co-op, which I have been led to believe is not a normal function for those games, so, uh, being able to play that with your friends is pretty cool. It's in early access right now, and they seem to be adding content fairly regularly, so, you know, keeping an eye on that. Um, there was also 20XX, which I had sort of heard about, but not really, and it is a procedural Mega Man X themed co-op game with online co-op and that excites me in just about every way because i'm a huge Mega Man x fan um and it looked really good and i played some on the show floor and had a blast so uh, i'm definitely gonna be picking that up and then let's see there was mages of mysteria which was a really interesting game i don't know if it's actually gonna be that great as a full game but as a tech demo it was really fun where You are a mage, and you have this um, sort of like sphere grid, almost, if that makes sense, if you're thinking in, say, Final Fantasy terms. And on each node, you can put modifiers to your spells, and so you can basically create custom behaving spells, and... It really, I think it really appealed to almost everybody that I saw playing that game that was like experimenting with it a lot turned out to be a programmer because, um, like one of the, one of the things you could do, uh, to put in the grid was like literally an event handler. So there was like on tick and on, on, uh, cast and on impact. And then you could, whatever you tied to that, it would then do a specific, like you could have it do a specific spell on a different event trigger so you could like do an on hit you do like an on hit event on your ranged orb spell that cast your aoe ground targeted spell at that target and you could then like pick it from a list of any of the aoe ground targeted spells that you had made so you could like do all these really weird combos and it was really fun it was a lot of fun to mess around with um and then the last one was called chasm and it's well wasn't
1: there a 64 game that had something like that maybe not to the extent you're talking about did you ever play quest 64
0: i did not but i had a friend that did i knew that's exactly what you were talking about
1: yeah Um, i think there was something similar in that which you could do with mixing your spell types which was a lot of fun that sounds cool was that just the was it just a procedural generator or did you get to use the spells in like a dungeon or something is that the goal
0: uh no yeah you you uh the world i believe is not procedurally generated in that one um but you got to like fully customize your spells that you used while you were adventuring in the world
1: okay cool yeah, that's it was interesting. really cool
0: yeah it was really cool like uh the spell that i ended up having the most fun with was uh the there's four categories of spells each mapped to a different button on a controller um So there's like your self spell. So those are things like shields or things like that. There's your melee spell. There's your orb spell in air quotes. Uh, And then there was your, I don't remember, but basically your ground target spell. And um, one of the examples, so like your orb spell basically just like makes an orb in front of you, but you can attach like a movement to it. And then it'll basically turn it into a projectile orb. Uh, And so what I did was I used my, Personal targeted ability and put a movement chained into a teleport, chained into an on cast cast explosion. And so basically, what would happen is I would use my personal skill and it would make a giant explosion and teleport me like halfway across the screen and make an explosion when I landed there. And then I would have like a quick dash to the side after that. And it was just this like super fun mobility spell that I created. Um, yeah, I, there was all sorts of crazy stuff you could do. It was, it was a ton of fun. Uh, so that was Mages of Mysteria. And then the last one was that was super noteworthy was Chasm, which is a roguelike Metroidvania-style game with some sort of RPG elements. So, you know, if you're familiar with those buzzwords, that'll probably tell you everything that you need to know about the game. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was pretty fun. Also, there was a Viking Squad, which I forgot to write in the show notes, but is sitting here. I'm looking right at it, which is a side-scrolling beat 'em up where you are Vikings, and it has really gorgeous art and it has online co-op. So that was uh, pretty sweet, but it's not out yet. So, uh, yeah, I would say that was. I would say those are my main highlight notes from PAX, aside from obviously seeing community members and friends from around the world and all that stuff. So. It was good times.
2: I'm still jealous of your Charmander.
0: Yeah, it's pretty great. There was a Pokemon merchandise store called the Pokemon Center, uh, and it was, in typical Nintendo fashion, woefully understocked. Um, I got there at noon on the first day of PAX, and they sold out their Snorlax plushies, which were about a foot tall. They were really adorable. About three people in front of me. I grabbed the last... Uh, they're like life scale Charmander, Bulbasaur, and Squirtle, so they're about like I don't know, they're a couple feet tall, so they're they're pretty big. Uh, I grabbed the last Charmander, and somebody right behind me grabbed the last Squirtle for the entire weekend, and they were sold out on the first day of packs. Um, but uh, it's now adorning my living room, sitting on top of our amp. So you know, I made the right decision. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that was that was our pack stuff um which is basically just the giant grybog monologue section because <laughs> i was the only one that went
2: yes yes did you have a cast cast
0: i did well i put it in the show notes sort of okay i did okay. you did you see it it's the communal Dolyak sacrifice yes <laughs> yeah i figured that was cast cast sort mm. of
2: Yep, i can do it i think oh god it's been a while Hello and welcome to Gas the Podcast within the podcast, but the for the podcast and the style of other podcasts. This week on Gas we have a Dolyak sacrifice. Uh which is a little bit more cheerful than it sounds, I think. Um a bunch of people got together and turned it into Dolyaks and gathered around the Mystic Forge and offered up sacrifices uh to Anet. Ble- didn't they all walk in and like get shot out or something?
1: I believe so, yeah. That's what it looked like from the from the photo the screenshots. Yeah, open yeah.
2: this again, because I'm pretty sure when I looked at them for the first time uh, uh open.
1: There were two different threads about
0: the same thing.
2: Yeah, no, this is, no, I just wanted to confirm uh, this is uh, a large portion of Tidal Legion, which is one of the head uh, or not head, but one of the main world-by-world World guilds on Sea of Sorrows. So I will I, I'm proud to be allied with these people is all I'm saying.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's pretty great uh yeah we'll we'll put links in the show notes i just thought it was really funny i always think it's funny when people organize any sort of transformation tonic based uh activities so plus i love doly for obvious reasons
2: do this with slublings.
0: yeah listen i think somebody was
2: the greatest thing no you
0: i was gonna say i think somebody was saying in one of the threads that somebody did do it with slublings.
2: oh i believe it but um i need to be a part of one the greatest day for me in guild wars in in recent guild wars history probably post hot um not the day that raids came out but the day that i found out that slubling tonics were not account bound and i could buy one off the trading post for like eight to ten gold so worth it i bought like i bought one for me i bought a few for other people (laughs) i love (laughs) slubling tonics so much they're just so great
0: (laughs) oh that's awesome Anyway, I think that's pretty much a wrap for the week, and we're going to have a brand new Living Story episode in five or so days now, which is going to give us plenty of stuff to talk about for at least the next week or two. So that's uh, exciting times. I'm excited to get get back into it and uh, play some new content, see a new map, explore, pull my hair out at Josh Foreman, uh, swear a lot. (laughs) It's going to be good times.
2: Oh, I've got one more thing, hold on. Uh, also in CastCast Cast news, uh, we launched a new show, sort of. Um, it's a mini-series called Relics Rolls that is going on on this channel. If you are subscribed to this thread, you uh, already got the first episode, and there are more episodes on the way. I think I've got a total of six, and we might- uh, there is some room for expansion if we wanted to, uh, but the current run is is six planned. Um, there are a number of blog posts in the works that will go out with these. The next one I'm working on is showing off some of the character sheets. I don't want to give away all the details of all the character sheets, but um, to at least share with you guys some of the people's stats and things. Um, and if you like it, let us know. If you don't like it, I don't care that much. <laughs> 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 Just, you know, if you don't like it, you know, don't listen to it. We'll still be doing the normal news podcasts and things, but it was a very fun project that we,
1: it's you a know, homebrew, enjoyed making. It's yeah. a homebrew uh, dice system um, by Shongoku. Um He's put a lot of uh, work into it, and it's customized for... Uh, it's off of something he made customized for, Guild Wars, and it's pretty cool. Um, there's a lot of experimentation, a lot of fun stuff. Um, I think there's, um, what, Cray and Lederhosen?
2: Yes, which has have and little to do with the a, role uh, <laughs> system
1: and more to do with the quirkiness of RO but yeah. there's that and yeah uh, so yeah, give it a listen and give us some feedback um, we hope you like it but I guess Spear doesn't care if you don't
2: yeah I mean you know just don't send us mean emails because it's not going to go on forever there's only going to be a few episodes of it and I didn't want to like set up a whole other thing for the few episodes that we were going to do so but if you like it if a lot of people like it I've been getting a lot of good feedback so far that's made me really happy because I was a little bit nervous about putting it out uh, but, you know, if you really like it, let us know, and if you don't like it, just hold on for a little while. They'll be gone. I promise. In one way or another, either we we start a new thread and we, we go crazy with a new feed and we have a whole other show, or they just stop coming out, so don't be mean to me.
0: I can't imagine anybody being mean to you, Spirit.
2: I don't know. We live on the internet, and by we live on the internet, I mean the show lives on the internet and I live in a place.
0: <laughs> huh. Sure. Nice save there. <laughs> yeah we are totally not digital fragments uh pretending to be humans anyway uh, i think it's time to wrap up the show thank you you two for joining me this week and thank you everybody for listening we will be back next week
2: this has been another episode of relics of War. if you want to get in touch with us you can check out our website and forums at relicsofor.com Email us at relicsofor at gmail.com, or find us on your favorite social media site, just by searching Relics of O-R-R. If you'd like to join us in-game, you can send a Whisper or in-game mail to Spiritface, or drop us a note on Twitter or our website and say hi. Lastly, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment and the rating you feel we deserve.